man, that theme song never gets old. A bit of tropical house in my ears always makes me feel like I'm sitting somewhere on a beach with a Corona maybe in my hand, enjoying the sun. It's just good beach vibes, and I love that tropical house version of the Creating Space theme song. What's happening, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is Creating Space. I'm your host, Wes Knight, and this week, we've got an absolute coffee aficionado on the show. The former president of Starbucks, Howard Bihar, joins the show today. Who's Howard? Howard Bihar is an author, a speaker, and he's now an advisor. He is also a servant leader. Now, he's written two books. One is called It's Not About the Coffee, which is lessons on putting people first from a life at Starbucks. The second one is called The Magic Cup, which is a business parable about a leader, a team, and the power of putting people and values first. So you can already get the idea. The narrative here is Howard Bihar is an excellent leader. He has mastered the art of leadership. Now, there's multiple forms of what leadership is, and we're going to go all over the place in this great podcast. But what I want you to really pay attention into is when Howard begins to open up about the struggles that he had in the identity crisis when he was leaving Starbucks entirely. In retiring from the company, Howard spent two years on a downward spiral, and that part of the story is his creating space moment. So without any further ado, let's get to that point. Let's get all the way through Howard Bihar's story. Let's get into the chat with the guy who helped build Starbucks from 28 companies and losing money across Seattle to Vancouver to over 15,000 stores worldwide. Hey, Howard, can I get a grande ice dopio with a little bit of coconut milk? Absolutely, and I suppose that you wanted you want the milk in the middle. Absolutely, in the middle. Yeah. make sure all, yeah. all of it gets dispersed. Yeah, right, coffee on the bottom, coffee on the top, the milk in the middle. <laughs> That's the perfect sandwich, the coffee sandwich, yeah, right. man. How yeah. are you doing, Howard? I'm doing great. It's a, it's kind of a cloudy day here in Seattle, but it's still beautiful. Well, about sixty percent of the time, it is cloudy up there, isn't it? Yeah, right. You know, I lived in in Vancouver for a little bit of time playing with the Whitecaps and the Pacific Northwest has such a a tight grip on my heart. It's such an incredible place to live, isn't it? Yeah, it is a wonderful place. And you lived in one of my favorite cities, Vancouver. It's just an amazing city. Yeah, man, it it is so cool. But we would hop away and get out of that city as quickly as we could to get back to the States, get into Seattle (laughs) and enjoy ourselves a time in Seattle. And we'd always find a way to wake up and get down to the original Starbucks there in Seattle, which is an incredible spot to, to visit. So let's start this off. Howard, tell me a little bit. What is a day in the life like? Well, you know, I have a personal mission statement, and it goes like this, to live my life every day, nurturing and inspiring the human spirit, beginning with myself first and then for others. So my day revolves around that. And most of the things that I do uh, to nurture and inspire the human spirit, you know, are tiny little things. I have this game I play with myself every day. I have to pick up a piece of paper or garbage off the street in Seattle and where I live. And I, fortunately, there's plenty of inventory because I live in downtown Seattle. But that's a little way I do of nurturing and inspiring the human spirit. And and it helps me stay in contact with my, with my humanity and, and keeps me humble. But that's what I do every day. And it's, you know, it's 
doing things like this, being doing podcasts. I do a lot of coaching of leaders. I um, I, I mentor six second year MBA students every day. Wow! I do a lot a lot of speaking, and I've written a couple of books. So, and I have six grandchildren. And that boy, talking about nurturing and inspiring the human spirit. Let me tell you, they nurture and inspire my spirit every day. That's incredible. You are the embodiment of leadership. And what you've done with the Starbucks company, along with all of the inspiring leaders there at Starbucks, has been fantastic. Tell me a little bit. You mentioned you want to fill your cup up first before you can pour onto others. Explain to me and explain to the Creating Space tribe what exactly you mean by that. Well, what I found in life after living for the 72 years that I've been alive is that if you don't take care of yourself emotionally and physically, then it's almost impossible to take care to help somebody else and so i really i do a focus a lot on 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 self it seems like a selfish act but it isn't and it's not the amount of time i spend it's making sure that that i'm doing the things to keep myself healthy emotionally and physically every day and a lot of times it's sometimes it's just meditating sometimes it's you know reading a book sometimes it's just going for a long walk with my dog you know, it's it's not big things. It's all little things. And that that keeps me in touch with self and, and helps me be able to help other people. I love that. There's so much truth to the fact that if we are not happy internally, then there's no way we can influence our circle of influence in a positive way, right? That's correct. It's so good. Tell me a little bit about what it's like now when you look back on how far Starbucks has come and what you were really in the trenches building and what you know to be true about the vision statement of before it all began, tell me, did you ever expect Starbucks to blow up in the way that it did? Never. Not in my wildest imagination. If I would have, I would have kept all the stock I had. <laughs> but no, I was trying to escape corporate life when I started at Starbucks. There were only 28 stores all here in between Seattle and Vancouver. British Columbia. And I, I was just wanted to do something that filled my soul. And I'd already done the other big corporate stuff. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. And so this little tiny coffee company that was losing money, I thought that, well, it'll be a nice little West Coast company, you know, and never did I none of us knew. Now, there was a point in time when we figured it out, that we really had something, but not at, certainly not at the beginning. And I, to tell you the truth, I'm in a Starbucks store almost every day. I am still in awe of it. And, you know, people like to give the leadership a lot of credit at Starbucks. And it really wasn't the leadership that made it happen. It was really the people of Starbucks that made it happen. I mean, we provided direction. We knocked down hurdles. You know, we made sure that we lived up to to our values and, and our mission in, in our business. But uh, but it was really the people of Starbucks that made it happen. And it was their belief in what we were trying to do that allowed it to become what it became. So when you think about the core values that Starbucks was based upon, which really creates the momentum for the culture within the corporation, the values seem to be the same. Talk to me a little bit about what those core values are at Starbucks. Well, the first and most important one is that we treat each other with respect and dignity. And that really drove drove us because that was the core of of starbucks it was about it is about it was and is about people so you know our coffee was important no question about it but but it wasn't what really drove us at the end of the day and we're still committed to that and uh you know 
the rest of it was fairly simple. You know, we wanted to be uh, we wanted to be known as a premier coffee company in the world. The last um, guiding principle, or what you would call a core value, was we recognized that profitability is essential to our future growth and success. It wasn't the first. Words like be knowledgeable, be genuine, be considerate, be welcoming, those are things that matter to us. And we just drove it throughout throughout all the years at Starbucks. And that has made the difference. But the primary one was treating each other with respect and dignity. Now, that all comes down to the very basic aspect of communication, right? Effective communication is such an important aspect to leadership. And what was it that you felt was the proper tactic in communication skills? Because communication is really probably 99% uh, of the issues when it comes to things that happen in all aspects of life, right? That's right, right? If you want to have a good uh, marriage or a relationship with another human being, it's about communication. And with communication and the actions that you take build trust. And without Without trust and good communication, you don't have a relationship. Yeah, wow. So that's exactly the same in business or any organization. It's it's how you communicate and what you communicate. It's basically always reinforcing what's important in the organization, and that is ongoing. It's it's what I like to say. My day job is the people or communicating. My night job is the business. I probably gave the same speech, you know, different words, but but the same speech probably 10,000 times during my 21 years at Starbucks, you know. It's just, uh, uh, and it was always, number one, we we're about people. That means that we care about each other, really care about each other, not just the words. Uh, that we serve each other. And, um, and then the second thing was that our coffee was our art. And but it was in that order, people and coffee, and that was the only thing that really mattered at Starbucks. That had to be given to you in some sort of like inherited legacy. Who who was the biggest influencer in your life that helped you understand how important communication was? Oh God, I think one one guy in particular, a guy named Jim Jensen, who I still know to this day, and he was probably my most significant coach and mentor. I was in my mid twenties, and I was just a happy go lucky guy. I didn't have a college degree, working in retail. You know, I was loving what I was doing, but never thought much about myself or my life or my values. And um, he was the one that got me to start thinking about first of all, who was I. Uh, how did I want to live my life? What were my goals in life? What were my values? What was my mission statement? And once once he, once I started to think about that, then I wanted to know what other people thought. And so I, I wanted to be uh, knowledgeable about how other people felt and what they wanted to accomplish in their life. And I became a servant leader. And, uh, you know, and that has driven my life ever since. So a servant leader is... I, I'm guessing an individual who's always looking to go above and beyond himself for others. Give me a couple of examples of ways that has happened in your life where maybe you felt like the return on that took some time, but you saw over time that it that investment was worthy. Well, a little thing. Uh, I used to send at company birth or birthday cards and anniversary cards to everybody that worked in the company. Wow! And up until we had about ten thousand people, I did them all myself, and I hand signed every one. And the people that I knew well, I wrote a, real, a note, you know, and I did that, and then transferred it on. But there are people to this day, almost thirty years later, 
that still have those cards. And, you know, it nurtured and inspired their spirit. And that's a little thing that you do to serve others. But, you know, the idea of servant leadership, a servant leader really uh, put uh, helps helps his or her people achieve their own personal goals in the context of achieving the organization's goals. And a servant leader understands inherently that they're to be, they're to be served, or they're there to serve, not be served. And so it was lots of things. It was, you know, my coaching people. I mean, I, I never believed much in, in performance reviews. I always thought that the best way to help people grow and be better First of all, to understand that your primary responsibility as a leader is to help people become better people, not better employees. Because if they became better people, then by nature, they would become better employees, a better teammate. And uh, so my primary job was to, I coached in the moment, not, not in performance reviews. A performance review, we did those, but those were just a rehash of everything we'd already talked about over the year. Wow, that's that is purely effective leadership, and I think that people really respect in the moment coaching altogether. Right? They want to know instantaneously what they did wrong and how they can improve it. And a lot of leadership, as well, is priming the group to know when they've done well and make sure that you give them the positive reinforcement when that is necessary, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's just like in athletics. There was a great example about three weeks ago between uh, the Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks of American football were playing. Uh, I forget who they were playing, uh, St. Louis or somebody, uh, not St. Louis, so some, somebody. But anyway, and uh, both both uh, kickers missed field goals that they if they would have made, they would have won the game right. on both on both teams. The the other uh, the opposing uh, pl- uh, coach. Uh, when he was asked, he said, well, they get paid to make those field goals, no excuse. And the, the Seattle Seahawks coach, Pete Carroll, said, uh, hey, he did his best, and we're, we're still big supporters of him, and that happ- that's what happens in life. But, but we really care about him, and, and so what if he misses one? Wow. wow. And it was a totally different view of what leadership was about. Now, what kind of coach would you rather work with? <laughs> exactly. The one that supports you and knows that, you know, it's temporary things and that sometimes stuff happens. You'll go over and beyond for an individual who shows you that sort of support, won't you? You'll stay extra. Um, you'll, you'll go a little bit further. It just it has so much weight when it comes to the human aspect of working with people. Absolutely. As you've gone through your life, Howard, you are at probably the most elite level as far as leadership that you can that you can imagine. Um, and everyone underneath you is probably has a bit of reverence with you, right? They they look at you in awe, so to speak. Um, how do you? Oh boy, I hope not. <laughs> I, I don't really? want reverence, and I don't want awe. I want I want people that are can coach me as well as I can coach them. And my best mentors have been people that have reported to me. I, I, I love that. We all do learn a little bit from any individual that we touch, don't we? Right. So tell me a little bit about this. What is the art of remembering that each person is human when we communicate with them? Sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in whatever like kind of transaction you're trying to get from one side or the other. How have you effectively kept the framing of the humanity between the conversation well it goes back to uh, being a servant leader if you're a servant leader that's what you think about your your goal in life isn't to correct somebody it's to help somebody and it's got to be done with love in your heart with respect for them 
with honesty and fairness and uh, caring and uh, no matter what. Now, you know, if somebody lies to you or, or steals from you, it's going to might be a little different conversation, but it's still with love and caring. It's still understanding that they're a human being. Uh, but, uh, you know, other than that, no, even if they make a serious mistake, your, your job is to help them, not, not to chastise them. Uh, and it, so that means that, you know, it's not yelling, screaming. It's, you know, it's sitting down, having an honest conversation. Sure. And I have found that you can almost say anything to any other human being with love and caring in your heart and respect for them. I really do like that. There's something so genuine about your mindset in communication that I know myself, along with all of the Creating Space tribe, is really going to appreciate and is going to uh, grow from. Tell me this, Howard. There was a time in my life where I was lost, man. Um, I I suffered identity loss through an injury with professional athletics. I went through a two-year spout where, man, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, it was real. But that is where creating space and the idea came from. I had to go through that darkness. But, but the darkness came because I wasn't able to lead myself. I, I had lost a bit of myself. Has there ever been a moment, call it a creating space moment, where you felt kind of lost or, or hard to lead yourself? Well, I've had many of them, but probably the most serious one was just what you're talking about. When I retired from Starbucks after 21 years, all of a sudden – I had lost my sense of self and I got severely depressed for two years and mm. it was, it was a dark time, lots of anxiety, um, just depression. I uh, got to the point where I didn't think my life was worth living. And one, I was laying on the sofa one day reading a book and, uh, you know, you know what the funny thing about it is it, it wasn't my, I'm not a virgin. It wasn't my first dance of struggling, you know, and I had, I've been a person that's worked on myself my whole life. Uh, and I was aware of all the tools and, and things that are available and the help you could get, but I just was struggling. I just couldn't get out of it. And I was laying on the sofa one day reading this book, and all of a sudden these words came into my brain. Howard, your life's work is still your life's work. Howard, your life's work is still your life's work. And I, you know, my life's work is really being about serving others, about helping others achieve their own personal goals in life, and, and so doing I would get to achieve mine. And the more I said those words to myself, the more I came out of that depression and I started to get direction in my life. And it was amazing how fast I came out within about a month's time. I wasn't totally back, but I was on my way again. And since that time, which has been about eight or nine years, uh, I have, you know, I have been pretty mentally healthy and doing the things that I love to do and serving others. I love to hear that, Howard. It seems like, man, we have to go through these dark times to get us to a new level, to to move us to a new level of vibration, to be able to push into a new existence. We create the space for us to exist in. Tell me, what was your life purpose? What did you declare and, and how do you think you were able to catch momentum so quickly? Well, you know, my, my mission statement I've had for a long time, so that was there. And then I have what I call my six Ps. So it's how I do everything in life. The first P is everything I do in life has to have a purpose greater than myself. It has to be bigger than me, and it has to add value to the world. 
The second P is if I have a purpose greater than myself, then I darn well better be passionate about it. I better put all my energy in it and scream it from the highest mountaintops so that there are no secrets about what my greater purpose is. Love that. And then my third P is persistence. You know, what I found in life is in, uh, there are rocks in the river everywhere you turn. And sometimes those rocks get in our way. Most rocks we put there ourselves. It's, you know, things that we believe, things that, uh, you know, it was my depression was a rock. And I had to figure out how to move that rock. And so persistence counts in life. You've got to be persistent. Uh, you know what I found? that the, every, every I've worked for entrepreneurs my whole life. And if there is one word that describes them, it's that word persistence. They just don't give up. And that's what I figured. I just couldn't give up. And in my darkest moments, I couldn't give up. Even even if I even if I thought that it wasn't worthwhile, then the fourth P is patience. You know, we we have to have patience. Not everything comes in the time frame that we want it to come. Not every skill set that we want to develop are we going to develop, no matter how much we give it. Uh, and so we have to have patience with ourselves. We have to give ourselves a break. It it doesn't mean we're not persistent, but it's, it's just understanding that some things take time. And we not only have to have patience with ourselves, but we have to have patience with others because not everybody is on our time frame. And then uh, the fifth P is performance. Performance counts in life. And, uh, you know, uh, it's like in our relationships at home with significant others. When we commit to each other, that means that we have to perform. If we've committed to a monogamous relationship, that means we have to perform. We have to commit to that monogamous relationship. If, if, if performance means that our job is to take out the garbage, then we need to take out the garbage. And if performance means that, uh, that uh, we've made a commitment to, to a part of our, our organization to get something done, then we've got to perform or let somebody know that we're not going to get it done. So in this, it's a hard thing for people to deal with. We don't like we don't like to be evaluated, but the facts are we are evaluated every day. We have performance reviews every day. If you're living with somebody else, you know, you're getting evaluated by them and you're evaluating them. If we're working in an organization, the people we work with are evaluating us every day and we're evaluating them every day. And that's just something we got to get used to that at the end of the day, our commitments are our commitments, and we need to perform. And when, when we get to the point that we can't, then we need to be do, doing something else. And the fifth P is the most important – excuse me, the, uh, the sixth, sixth P is the most important one, and that's people. Everything we do in life has to be about serving people. There is not one job that anybody could possibly have. You, you played soccer. You know, you're, you were serving your teammates, and you were, in essence, serving the people that came to watch you. And, uh, and you know, that's what it's about. Well, if you're, if you're a widget maker and you make widgets that go into a printing press that a publishing company buys and they produce a magazine or a newspaper that gets delivered to somebody's home to inform or entertain them, that's serving people. So there is no job that we have, there is no role that we'll play in life that isn't about serving somebody else. And to me, that's the essence of life, is service to other human beings. It's so powerful, 
going above and beyond yourself for others is the key to this experience here on earth. And I agree wholeheartedly with you. Those six P's, I'm trying to write those down as quickly as I can while you're talking about them. They're, they're so impactful. But tell me this, Howard, as, as we move and we see just why it is you've been so successful, what does Howard want for the rest of his life moving on today. Obviously, people working with people is very important, but what would you say your legacy is moving forward? Well, here I, I would put it this way. Here's how I'd like to be evaluated at the end of my life. On, uh, I like to be evaluated on what I did or didn't do for people. So everything I've done in my life hasn't been perfect. I'm not proud of everything I've done. I'm proud of a lot of the things I've done. So when, when people look back at Howard Bihar, and when I when I look back at my life, when I'm in that, hopefully in that rocking chair somewhere, drinking scotch and watching football games, uh, that, you know, I look back and say, Howard, I'm proud of you for what you've done for other human beings. And I hope that other people are able to look at me and say, you know, his mission was to nurture and inspire the human spirit, and he did that. And that's how I want to be evaluated. When you look at the Creating Space tribe, and they're definitely going to resonate with so much that you've spoken of, and you could think of a couple of things as a takeaway that you want to make sure most individuals remember when they walk away from this podcast episode, what would you say those things are? Uh, I have a document that I call Howard in 50 Words or Less. I've had it for over 40 years, and it's changed from time to time. It has my mission statement on it. It has my core values on it. It has what those core values mean to me in terms of how they inform my decisions and actions that I take in life, and then my six Ps. And that little document stays with me all the time. I have it on my computer, my iPhone. I have it in all my briefcases, and it drives my life. And I would encourage everybody to think about writing this stuff down because if you don't write it down, then it really doesn't have the same meaning. And, it, you know, you, you're, uh, you allow yourself sometimes to move away from it. But I don't move away from it. It doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean I don't screw things up in life. I do. Still do. But that document, it's important to write it down. It's important to be able to look at it all the time and to inform how you want to live your day. And so I'd encourage everybody to do that. I think that's fantastic. Can you give us a little bit of illumination into that process, what that was like for you, kind of maybe some of the questions that were very intricate or intracool to you getting and like alchemizing that message down into 50 words or less? Because that's tough, isn't it? It's really hard. And it took a long time to do it. And I still work on it. So that's, you know, almost almost 50 years of working on it. But, you know, you can go online and you can say, uh, human values. And you'll find a list of probably three, four hundred words. And trying to get it down to eight core values, which is what I believe a good amount is, you know, somewhere between five and ten. Uh, and then and then and and then define those core values um, uh, are really critical. Uh, what they really mean to you. And that just takes work. And it, you gotta sit down on a weekend and if you gotta write them out. And then you're going to change them. And, uh, and then a mission statement. Uh, what is it you want to leave behind? What is it you want to do on this earth? And how do you want to, people to remember you? And how do you want to remember yourself? And then uh, write a paragraph or some sentences of, of, of really who you are and how you want to do things. And that was my six Ps. It, it really is, it's really critical to do that. 
I think that that process is something that I have not yet done, not been asked to do. And it's something that I'm kind of excited to sit down and really have a discussion, a dialogue with myself and figure it out where exactly I feel right now and where I want to go. I think that's fantastic. As we round this show out, Howard, I wanted to make sure that you uh, know just how grateful I am that you're taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on and influence uh, myself in the Creating Space Tribe. And uh, I just want you to know that what you've done in society and continue to do uh, has massive value. And I, I really appreciate what you're doing. Okay. Well, I really appreciate it, Wes. Thank you so much for having me. And, and uh, you know, onward. What an incredible story. This guy, Howard Bihar, is the epitome of a mentor and a servant leader. Servant leadership is so important to him because literally, like his books say, it's not about the coffee and the magic cup is really about the service for everyone else and not yourself. And the most interesting part of it all is that a guy who has seemingly been on the top of the world helped build Starbucks from 28 companies to 15,000 stores worldwide struggled. He struggled with depression. He struggled with anxiety. He struggled with identity loss. What I want to get across in this story is that we're all going through the same things, that there is a community out there who can help. And sometimes it's just about explaining what you're going through and being authentic that can help push other people to share their experiences. And then in that state of vulnerability, you all grow, you all nourish, you all replenish, and you all revitalize. But it comes first with leading for others, being a servant leader and going beyond yourself for the betterment of others. That's what Creating Space is all about. It's so important to me to be able to get the messages and the stories out of everyone else, of their trials and their tribulations, to help you learn a little bit about your life, have a deeper relationship with yourself, and then in turn, go out and impact someone's life just the same. I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. Happy, happy holiday, and we'll see you back the 26th of December with a little bit of a Mindset Monday fresh off of Christmas. If you get the chance, remember to tag me in some of the great family holiday photos that you're getting involved in. Tag me. Let me see it. Let me get involved in your community. See who are the people that you are impacting and the people that you are impacted by. I want to see your community. I want to see this community, this Creating Space tribe. I'm really enjoying Instagram right now. It's my favorite platform. And so if you want to hit me up there, that would be most preferable. If you get a chance and you enjoy Twitter, I also exist there. I will not forget about you on that platform. Facebook as well. Not as much as the other two, but continue to hit me up. Tag me at, at Wesley T. Knight. Make sure you let me know who your tribe is, who your community is, and have a great and happy holiday.